What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber with Jim Cramer. We're live from Post 9 at the New York Stock Exchange. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures. We get ready to begin trading one half hour from now, and you can see it does appear we're going to have a higher open. doesn't mean much, of course, as our viewers well know. It can change very quickly. Let's get to our roadmap this morning. It does start with a big week ahead for investors. Mega tech names uh, will be reporting results such as Meta and Microsoft. We've also got some key central bank decisions on deck. Plus, bye-bye birdie. Twitter officially rebranding as X. X. And Chevron pre-announcing quarterly results also announces some uh, changes in its C-suite, uh, CFO namely departing. We're going to talk exclusively with Mike Worth. That'll be later in the hour. But of course, as we often do, let's start with the markets ahead of what is a busy week of trading for investors, given we're getting a lot of the S&P reporting numbers, including a, a lot of the bellwethers, Jim. I just mentioned Microsoft and Meta. We can also talk McDonald's or Coke. We can go a lot of different yeah, places. Alphabet. Yeah, Alphabet. Well, look, I, I think, David, that there's been a, a two tracks of, of discussion among people. There's the irrelevant track, which is the Fed, and there's the relevant track, which is the earnings. I know that's antithetical to everything we say, but there's just a, empirically you have to start doubting the idea that if you had followed the Fed in each rate increase, you would have sold, sold, sold. That was the bear dichotomy, the bull, with the bulls being the other side saying, look, if you just focus on earnings, you, you're, you don't mind paying for them, particularly because worldwide there's problems. And I come back and I say, I'm definitively in the, in the B camp, the bull camp, because all discussion around 11 rate increases, rate increases has been a dodge. Now, it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be what we're, what we're riveted by. But the American companies have transcended the yield curve, transcended the short rates, because of just, I, I think, sheer brain power. There's just been a lot of really good companies, whether it be mega cap, what cap, whether it be industrials. You're already and, passing judgment on an earnings season that really is what? We're not even a quarter through it, are yeah, we? Yeah, I am. Why? I mean, and by the way, it's not clear to me that we've outperformed that much versus expectations. Well, we, okay, I'm, I'm concerned about how the Fed did not mess with the earnings cycle. The earnings cycle is uh, the industrials, which should be turning down, have been a very strong group. Last week, we saw the banks and the healthcare stocks begin to get some traction. Uh, Mega cap has been amazing. Now, look, it, it, every bet could be off if Apple and Alphabet and Meta are all wrong. Uh, I just doubt that they will be, even though their multiples are inflated. But I'm just calling for the idea that it's very easy. There have been many years where if we knew the Fed was going to take action, we would, we would sell stocks ahead. Or we would be very concerned because we're fighting the Fed. Although we are at the end, to be fair. Well, I mean, no, no, but okay. Oh, that's, I mean, that continues to be one of the key questions. Right. How we close are, are we to the end? And but. if we are at the end, then you do want to buy a lot of stocks. But I think that there's a sense that other than housing, which could be after Horton actually had a little bit lower, but not a lot. Uh, uh, auto, which has now come down, particularly because it seems like that the 
EVs are not selling as, as much as we thought, and the ICE are, are down. Uh, rentals come down. Used cars come down. That means uh, there's not been a lot of layoffs. We've only had a few closings in retail. We're not a lot of layoffs in general, which has made people feel very insecure because they expect them to happen. But uh, what I'm saying is, is that this is one of those times where if you looked under the hood of the S&P, you made a lot more money than if you just looked like a, a hedge fund, which was, oh, rates going up. We've got to sell. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. And I think it didn't happen in part because the companies are a little more uh, attuned than we thought and smarter than we thought. Uh, it's not. I mean, we have Mike Worth on today, OK, who's the extended CEO of Chevron. And when you look at what he's done versus what should have happened at this point, it's rather remarkable. And the numbers are amazing. The buyback's incredible. And, yeah, they uh, pre-announced, although we didn't get a full earnings report. Right, from but the them. fact but is, but they that, did because their CFO is stepping down. But oil's down uh, a lot. So they're replacing that, and, and oftentimes you'll get companies that do pre-announce to make sure everybody knows right. it has nothing to do with our numbers or anything like that. But when you talk about what the expectations were over the longer term and what they've delivered, what do you mean? Well, I mean, I think that Chevron had been an also ran until Mike. I think that Mike made it so that Chevron was the leader in uh, both earnings in terms of making a lot of very good moves. But also, David, in terms of ESG, until the incredible Exxon buy of Denver, which made it so that these companies have really been at the forefront of trying to figure out what to do after Fossil runs out. Fossil's not going to run out for quite some Many time. Years. It turns out that talk we asked Mike. That's why I yeah. think Mike's That said, uh, you know, carbon capture and sequestration is an, is an, a growingly, a growing, of growing importance, certainly at Exxon, and I think Chevron would say the same. Right. I'm more knowledgeable about Exxon given the time I spent studying that company. For no, and you've had I mean, tremendous insight. So I hope you bring that to bear here. But, um, but look, Amazon's By the way, let's good. on, uh, on Alpha, Chevron. Hold on. Sure, on I'm Chevron, sorry. since we're talking about it, and we're going to have him joining us in right. about a half hour or so. Um... Earnings did top estimates, we should point out, right? Yeah, and he bought back um, a lot of stock. And they are, as you said, announcing that he's going to be extended uh, beyond the potentially mandatory retirement age, which had been 65. And again, as Mike I said, Mike Worth is the leader of this industry. Down. He's the leader. He's both the global leader and domestic. He's made many right moves. And uh, as much as I respect Darren Woods, Darren Woods fantastic for what he's been doing, Mike is for better or worse, the spokesperson worldwide for this industry. Stock hasn't done much of anything good so far this year. That's not a long enough picture. We have to really, I mean, because no, remember, it, I mean, that's just down. this year, right. But oil's come down a great deal, and he's still making a lot of money. Sorry, obviously, the, uh, the if you go back any period of time beyond that, stock Look, we can focus we on how AMC is interesting, but you know, Chevron's a big company. a better idea. Uh, we are going to talk AMC, not right, right. now, but let's. But, you were moving on to some other earnings that we are looking forward well, to Well, I just think week. that the mega caps. And I am curious to get your thoughts about, I mean, again, we don't know what the numbers are going to look like. We're going to pour over the, uh, uh, over the conference calls. A lot of it is going to be AI focused, whether it's Alphabet or Meta right. or Microsoft. Certainly, we're going to be very much focused on what they have to say about that important business uh, for all three. Right. And we know people, are, because Taiwan Semi, it's not an American company. Its earnings come out in the middle of the night. A lot of people tend not to really don't look deep down at what they're saying. And what they're saying is very downbeat. They're saying there's been no comeback in DRAMs, even though the people say recommend Lamb Research. They say that there's no ability to really make to ramp up in the United States because we don't really have the facilities anymore to make the big foundries. Uh, and then I they, you know, and they say cell phones are terrible. Cell phones are terrible. terrible. Right. Away from, but it could be they didn't distinguish Apple, okay, because nobody does. 
And then, David, I mean, they're basically saying that they use a word that was so damning. They said that it's a frenzy for AI. And I think that when you have the number one producer and they call it a frenzy, that makes me think that maybe we're overdoing excitement for AI. You do. Yeah, because we only have a, we have service Although now. Although those They're NVIDIA chips week. that they do manufacture at TSMC for NVIDIA. Does well, anybody uh, else manufacture for them too, for NVIDIA, or is it all TSMC? TSM. It's all. Well, I, look, against the frenzy, we had some amazing comments uh, about Elon Musk saying that NVIDIA, unfortunately, is the place you have to go. Yeah. Now, they had had a spat. But, uh, look, I think NVIDIA is real. I think AI is real. I think that other than Adobe and I think ServiceNow this week, we'll talk about it. And uh, I also think that Benioff's talked about it. We don't have the use cases that people expected. I mean, there's a downgrade well, today of IPG. It's pretty but, early. It's pretty darn early. So, but yeah, right now the made. main thing we seem to know is these companies are going to be buying an awful lot of NVIDIA chips because it's right. the only one that can actually power these generative large but, language but remember, models. What, we, what all those things, the shorthand of that is you can say, Please design, you talk to PC, please design me a brand new uh, way to be able to push Barbie this week. Different colors, what would work based on what we saw this week in terms of our box office. And ChatGP can do it. I've been using, I always look at ChatGP for what I, I have an interview tonight with Jonathan Canner. The, the DOJ. Yeah, DOJ. He came on last week. Yeah, I always just you run it bringing by. him back again? Well, there's a lot of things that have happened. Really? In the intervening four days? I think that that the it's the guidelines are seminal. Yeah, the merger guidelines. You know, we spent time on with uh, Squawk team we spoke the at him, and then we right. had uh, Lena Khan from the FTC. The, the, the merger, merger guidelines, guidelines are you know, important. I All right, wanna, but wait, you were making the point that you you now talk to ChatGPT to check. If you Everything. have any good questions for sure. your upcoming guests on Mad Money. Yeah, because I don't want to lose. Um, Sometimes they'll say, and listen, do you don't get forget anything? about ESG. Do you get anything interesting? Yes, yes. There's usually, if you ask for 12 questions on varied issues, yeah. there's usually one or two that you haven't thought of. Remember, well, it's a yes man. ChatGP is a yes so man. They you, love everything so you So on give one it side, them. you're saying that we haven't seen the use cases. and the other, you're giving me one right here. Well, so. I just don't think people are being creative enough. I mean, as an older person trying to find out I how think, to use it, I'm interested. I think an awful lot of corporations right now are in the tinkering phase of trying to figure out how this is right. going to be useful to their business. But there seems to be little doubt that it's going to be an enormous enhancement of productivity over time. SAP told me there's like 400 um, uses of, of chat GPT. I mean, the dollars spent on data scientists by hedge funds right now are extraordinary, yes. for example, uh, trying to figure this stuff out. And then, of course, how many people can you actually replace in an investment bank with AI, junior bankers? I keep hearing that kind of stuff, not to mention lawyers. But I'd like to know what the, what the hiring was this, uh, this summer. Because theoretically, you should be in with HR and saying, do we really need all these people? Look, we're at the, we're, we're at the crux of when it's either going to be a, a frenzy fad or whether there's really something there. But it can't be both. I mean, you know, we had um, Netscape in the browser. We had the dot-com boom. It was a frenzy. You could argue it was a but it, and then it became justified. But right. it took a while. It right. took a while. And this is being shotgunned by the fact that you have that it takes an tremendous amount of money, a tremendous amount of money to be able to buy all the, these, yes. whatever, I mean, look, you know that to, from Musk. To, yes, the computing power needed to, to fuel these large language models that are behind the likes of these chatbots, whether it's BARD, whether it's ChatGPT, 
uh, whether it's Claude from Anthropic. I think I said that right, but yeah. Well, look, I, I just, NVIDIA became a trillion-dollar company this year. That's probably, when you look at what's happened, you could say, okay, well, look, we have to keep the two tracks. We have to have the track that was totally separate from the Fed, which is Megacap Tech, which started, by the way, uh, at the downfall of Silicon Valley Bank. And then we have to look at the broader term, which was that we started with the industrials and then we went to consumer packaged goods, believe it or not. Uh, and then the last few weeks, we've had healthcare and we've had banks. Uh, so we've gotten the broader. Transports have done well. So we have a large market that should be in reverse, given the fact that we're fighting the Fed, unless the Fed's done. All right. Uh, speaking of AI, after the break, we're going to talk a bit about uh, Twitter, of course. It has rebranded, if you haven't heard, to the letter X and a lot of discussion by uh, Elon Musk, of course, about AI for that company's future. First, well, let's give you a look at futures. We get ready to start trading here a little more than 17 minutes from now. Stick with us. A lot more Squawk in the Street straight ahead. At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old School Grit, New World Ideas, Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Now is the time to embrace a new wave of workers. Every day, your team grows younger, more digital, and more drawn to entirely new ways of working, which means you need flexible solutions to connect them where business gets done. T-Mobile for Business was born digital. With America's largest 5G network, we can make it easier to work together from virtually anywhere. Your team may be changing, but with the right tech, it can be more productive than ever before. Get started at T-Mobile.com slash now. Elon Musk bringing more changes to Twitter, officially rebranding the company. It now goes by the letter X. And uh, CEO Lindy Acarino saying that uh, it's an exceptionally rare thing in life or in business that you get a second chance to make another big impression. They made one massive impression, changed the way we communicate. Now X will go further, transforming the global town square. She had more comments beyond that, Jim, that indicate, as has been an aspiration for Mr. Musk for some time, that you'll be doing a lot of things on the X platform. At least that's the hope. Not just communicating, but a, a key one being financial transactions, for example, that he seems to think will be something that they can um, start to take advantage of. Similar to what we see in China with some of the apps there that really go across uh, unlimited interactivity. There it is. Audio, video, payments, Ideas, goods, services. I mean, I, I, I'm not quite sure what all that means, but that's the plan. Well, look, I think that one of the things I proposed to Mark Benioff when he was debating buying Twitter was I said, look, I happen to be in Mexico. My American Express was turned off. I would like very much a direct message to American Express and let them, I mean, it was actually Kate Chase, I, um, and, and tell them on me. And he said, yeah, well, that's one of the principal uses. And then uh, the people who ran Twitter didn't think that direct message was really anything that was an afterthought. I don't think that, that Musk thinks it's an afterthought. I also think that there are things like uh, what happened this weekend in movies where I pick up, and it's like no one's making any money off of it. I don't get them why they shouldn't. I think that it no is getting, ver- I'm sorry, well, no I'm saying it's been unmonetized. Of like nothing makes. Oh, you know, Twitter. Yeah. I mean, nothing. I mean, where's the Mattel uh, 
TV, the Mattel toy ads. Uh, where's the the Chris? No, where's the Nolan? I think there was a sense that for many years, Twitter um, did not take advantage of its central place in some right. way. In but this is no longer the way, way people Musk. communicate, uh, uh, and that it never brought it so so few new features and things like that. There'd been a hope that Musk obviously would change that. A lot of people have taken issue with sort of his very brusque approach to communicating. Well, I mean, look, I think that he does. It would be great to have him make a, a line in the sand, which is, look, we're not Twitter. We're now a fully function uh, payment plan. I mean, look, if I were him, I would well, they say don't this, have that, but I guess they're on the way to, to rebranding to your point. Well, why don't they become the stablecoin? I mean, I've got Tim Massett on tonight for CFTC. He's calling for a stablecoin. Why doesn't Elon Musk become the stablecoin? Don't laugh. Remember, Mark Zuckerberg wanted to be the stablecoin, and that was during the era when— Now, listen, if it, all, if it all were to work, of course, we talk about public companies here more often than not. Uh, it's not clear to me where he will compete here in terms of, against some of the public companies we know. But the hope is one day to be able to take this thing public yet again. Exactly. Obviously, he overpaid by at least double. In other words, I, I, it's probably worth 20 when he paid 44. Um, yeah. It's been not able to generate real cash. He obviously but, uh, he uh, cut uh, three quarters of the staff or more. But he under... Um, he, These are a lot of things he's got to add. He's got to add people now. Well, I mean, I think that it was they just keep doubling down on editorial. Editorial's a sucker bet. You've got this great financial mechanism. Like, why the hell have they never been able to go to advertisers and say, look, we think you can reach the 18 to 22? Why, why didn't he go to Zuckerberg and say, listen, we want you to be the home for reals? Like, why didn't anybody do anything? I don't know. Meanwhile, you speak of Zuckerberg. We're going to hear from Meta, of course, earnings uh, this week. What about threads, though? Has that died down a bit as a, as a you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, he's got to blow it up. And he's capable of blowing it up because he doesn't have any anything vested. Wait, who's got to blow no, what up? I'm, what, Zucker, I'm saying you know, Zuckerberg has to keep his model. Yeah. Uh, but Musk could go to any of these guys, including Zuckerberg and create alliances that would be fabulous. Musk and Zuckerberg are not going to be creating any alliances. As best I'm still aware, they're, they're still planning on having a caged fight. Okay, so what was Musk's relationship with Jensen Wong until this last conference call? I do not There know. was no love loss. There I was no love loss. I don't loss. remember threats of physical harm to no. each other. Well, no, because... No, because Jensen comes in peace. Yeah. He's like 10 bears. Alla Josie will come some peace. Get ready for your mad dash, will you? Oh, yeah, I'm all, all right, set for it. Let's get me. started talking some stocks here. We got a bunch We've to get to. We've been talking stocks all the time. You want to we talk have, about We have. I'm happy to talk about some person the Fed situation. Obviously, I, we're going to. I got a gas bag from the Fed from a city that we don't even know, and I'm right. ready to reveal them when we come back. You got a what from a who? Gas bag. Fed. A gas bag no, we're, from. We're at the, we're at the denouement of the importance of Fed execs. Ah. Yes. The yeah, end. we're going yes. back to the we're going back to the J.P. Morgan days when the New York Fed had a bigger role. And no one even knew these other people were because they were Babbitt. Remember Babbitt? I do. I do remember Babbitt. Well, we're going to Babbitt again. All right. Still to come, we're going to have an exclusive with Chevron's uh, chairman and CEO Mike Worth. After extended, the break, though, extended CEO Contra. We're going to get Jim's mad dash, counting down to the opening bell, and start to cover a lot more stocks. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. 
T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to that aforementioned mad dash. Start talking uh, Apple, which of course market cap of over three trillion dollars. Right. Did you watch Messi in the soccer game? You know, I I didn't actually see MLS. That. Yes, MLS. MLS I know. Broad start. Free kick, right? It was a good yes, start. But yeah. You know, here you got this very ancillary uh, Eddie Q property that we talked about at the CFO CEO council, and it's another thing that looks like it's going to be right. And I bring it up because. If Apple wants to be in sports, they can be in sports in a big way if they think it works uh, because the services are doing well. And this morning, Wells Fargo comes out and says services growth reacceleration. That had been something people worried about. And Deutsche Bank comes out and says, listen, uh, everything's tracking ahead, raising price target to 210. So this is the one that shocks most people because it has its own AI that it's developing. Uh, people thought that China was going to hurt it, but they're doing buy China. Uh, you know, for China, buy China, buy China, for China, it's working. India is up there as being a, a country that they could really be tremendous, tremendous growth in Brazil, Indonesia. So, I mean, this stock has become one of those, uh, let's just say the bears have been wrong. How about that? They certainly have been dead wrong. But you think it just keeps going? I think that it has more in the pipe than most of the mega cap stocks that we talk about. I think Microsoft's got AI, and that's absolutely terrific. I think Meta was underestimated. Alphabet is not clear. I don't see what Alphabet, my chapel trust owns it, but I don't see any sort of acceleration. Amazon is up to jazz because if they don't start getting a a returning growth to Amazon Web Services, then the stock's too high. These guys doing their own thing, doing it well. They certainly are. Services, Eddie Q has done some remarkable things. Added a quarter uh, of its uh, market value over the last year. All right, we got an opening bell five minutes from now. All right, welcome back. We uh, get an opening bell in two minutes. Sometimes we like to do something called key to the market. goes way back to our time together on 20, Squawk one, Box. 20, 20, 24 over, years. 24 years 24 ago. years we've done it. Um, so what is the key this morning that you're right, keeping I think it's going to be American Express, and I'll tell you why. American Express reported a quarter that really, really crushed the Dow. The Dow still finished up for the 10th straight session. And it was regarded as being a major miss. Now, what I think really happened was that expectations got so high here because people felt, you know what, we're in a travel economy, and the way to play travel is Mark Express. Now, the analysts today are debating whether it's because of the, uh, the problem with student loans, people have to repay. Uh, they don't spend enough time, I think, on how corporates not come back to any great deal. But I also think that people just sometimes just get ahead of a company. And I think that there was a discussion among hedge funds saying, look, if you want to have the travel economy. Don't go Royal Caribbean and don't go Delta, go American Express. And it failed to fulfill the The, the commentary, Jim, on the call was quite positive. That's why I want to talk about it. They did have a provision, but again, everything, nothing seemed to be completely right. That's why it's got to stop. And and yet, to your point, the stock was down sharply. That's why the stock is right now looking badly down. And I happen to question whether it deserves that discount, given the fact that it really was an okay quarter. It was. It and it's the key to this market in the hit. sense of what, then? That if well, you want to see a rebound? Or? Well, people saying that he can't do the, that Steve Story can't do the 10% earnings growth and the 15% sales that have been their algorithm. I think 
think that he can do as a lot of levers. And I think that emergency bedroom just became a victim of what people felt was the greatest story of all time, which is the no more buy of services, a lot of buy of travel, a lot of going out to dinner. Uh, you, you, let's watch it. If it's down again it. today, then people are going to start questioning the travel and leisure thesis that has propelled so much in the market. Uh, that was the opening bell you heard, of course, uh, and you can take a look back at our real-time exchange at our headquarters um, here at the big board. Back to the future, the musical. It is opening on Broadway. They're celebrating that. Best of luck to them. Over at the NASDAQ, Bitcoin Depot that provides Bitcoin conversion to cash. And that's what we're discussing with Tim Mastic tonight, your former CFTC head, because I believe that there is, a, among younger people, a kind of just an overall skepticism about any institution, and they would prefer to be in uh, anything crypto, which means you have to have some secure way to go back and forth crypto. And I want to focus on that. I want to focus on because I want to focus where young people are thinking, because they are not thinking about the Fed. They don't care about the Fed, and we run the risk of outmoding our own selves if we focus too much on the Fed. Because um, that's not, people are more focused on the eighth litigation than they are on the Fed. Bitcoin treated as a security, going to court. What do you, have, have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that it's time, we're being, we're being overrun by Europe, which is embracing it very radically. We have a split between our own government. What does Treasury want? What does uh, SEC want? Uh, what does Congress want? And if the Republicans take Congress, then we're just going to be all Bitcoin. We better start realizing that. You think that the SEC is at risk here in court? Yes. And I didn't want that to be because I felt that the SEC had a valid case that these are securities. But they're losing there. They're coming out as currencies. If they're currencies, then there really is, you still would need some sort of SEC ruling. But David, we're completely in dis- disarray. They're not in Europe. They're going full, they're going full bore when it comes to crypto. And I know that Tim Massey doesn't want us to lose any sort of leadership, but admits that we already have. Got it. And we want to be we want it to be done by the Fed. But our Fed has no inclination to do it. I think other countries and if we were CNBC Spain, we'd be discussing the turn to the right, and then we'd be talking about how to avoid the euro. Crypto. Yeah. We should be um, a little more cognizant that crypto swept the world and that we've been the one that is that is now lagged. All right, let's uh, let's get to some stocks this morning, Jim. I don't know, you know, specifically what I mean. I'm keeping an eye on AMC shares, of course. That judge saying that potential conversion of the apes to AMC Common, which was a capital raising event for the company, not going to happen, at least not in the near term. Uh, that obviously, completed. right? That means AMC shares are up a lot, and the ape shares are down a lot. But the, um, the way to be able to grow AMC was to get. Yeah. Well, I mean, Adam Aaron's coming out and saying, we got to raise capital. Well, I mean, what's interesting is, is that the, the people, the mean people who love this thing, they thought if they went to court, the court would respond to their entreaties. But, David, that turns out to be a false world. That's not the way a court works. The Chancellor doesn't look there and say, wow, look at this. There's 3,000 playing, 3,000 people in favor of the deal. Right. Once again, they, they actually talk about equity. So, um, well, if they are unable to raise equity capital, the risk materially increases of AMC conceivably running out of cash in 2024 they have a lot of Barbies and or 25, says Adam Aaron. He points out that he does have an economic interest in more than 8.3 million AMC shares, although 
he did benefit from the meme craze in, in the enormously. $50 area. Yeah, I know. Uh, increased his net worth dramatically as a result of having sold, but he says he hasn't sold in more than a year and a half any additional shares, AMC or Ape or otherwise. Uh, stock had hit as high as eight bucks. I believe. Well, that's a very long um, ruling, and I tell you, we, we went over the ruling this morning. It's not morning. anywhere near there now. Uh, we went over it with um, Ben Stoda and I back and forth, research yeah. record for Mad Money, and we found it incredibly complicated, but there were hedge funds who bought this uh, preferred, and there were uh, plaintiffs who, who really kind of just, I think, didn't get the way the court works. Yeah. And then there are other people who just said, look, you know, we can't be in a situation where these people lose in the preferred even the preferred people voted for it. So they threw out something everybody agreed on. I, David, I thought it was highly unusual. Yeah, well, the judge did, uh, Judge Zern focused on the settlement scope, and she characterized that as overbroad. Right. Uh, again, we'll keep an eye on it, but for now, they're not going to yeah. be able to do Are that Are you conversion. keeping an eye on Domino's? Um, well, let, but speaking of movies, I want right. to get to Domino's, but Barbie and Oppenheimer did right. do extremely well, both. Barbie as much as $155 million at the box office. Oppenheimer as much as 80 million, I believe. Uh, that's a big number right there. Mattel, a beneficiary of Barbie's success right, as well. Right, but it's mostly, of course, the ancillary. They make the ancillary. The They're not making from box office. But look, I had Enon Kreisel on last week. I think he's one of the great executives in terms of taking a, a what is basically a toy company and turning it into an entertainment company. Right. Now, but, so he's talking about IP, like everybody else in the entertainment business. Well, that's what he talks about now. He, IP. He, he, he's delivering. Yeah, he is. And he is from the entertainment world. And when the stock was at 13, he said, don't recommend it. It's going lower. He fixed the balance sheet first, which is the way you have to approach these turns. And then he identified that there are certain franchises that are completely uh, undermanned and just are underpersoned. And then decided to put the money on them. There are many more if this works. I think he's, it could be game, set, match for the toy business versus Hasbro. Interesting. Uh, yeah, haven't seen uh, Barbie. Did see Oppenheimer. Certainly can uh, highly recommend it. Chris Nolan's a genius, of course. Yeah. Um, but, David, Disney is not a beneficiary of anything. And it, it is incredible to me. They put out these things about maybe someone want to partner with the been David, it, it, it's almost as if they, re, they really believe that within the organization, there are so much value not to worry. But outside the organization, we want earnings power. You're talking Disney now. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the meantime, parent company of our network, Comcast, the chatter is just like, hey, look at the stock breakout. The ch- chatter around Comcast has been about broadband net ads. We'll see what they look like. Right, but there's been some third-party data providers that have said things are looking pretty good. That, that I think that is the key reason why the stock has been up. I agree. Oppenheimer is a universal movie, right? That right. But, I mean, I think what matters here is that people decided that they're better than Verizon and at well, it's not hard to be better than no, AT&T it's not. What a balance sheet did for the company we have. It is really not hard to be better than them, although both are up today after what were, you know, a very difficult period there, in part because of the concern about lead-wrapped cables. Uh, and then just, as we talked about so often, uh, continued competition, not just amongst the three majors in terms of wireless, but also our parent and uh, charter as well, well you, the Spectrum did, brand. Did, hey, don't, you, they have, did, don't they have the money coming from who? Comcast? Yeah. Um, from Disney. Yeah, yeah from that Disney. most likely show. will be the case. Well, yes. that's another reason to like Yeah, that'll it. help. But that can help, fund, can help fund Peacock losses. I've made my comments internally to what I think they should do. Well, I'm trying to get a new, new desk here, new set, but 
Peacock losses. I think that I, I've made it clear that if I were, if it was a lightning call, lightning round call about Comcast, think I, think I'll be here I would say that I can't. That it's very hard to recommend, given yeah. the fact that they spent they've lost so much on Peacock, because that's what I have to do. I, I, I have to. I, say, I have to be on. What the hell? I, well, I'm well, a contract player. It's the only stock we can own, by the way. We should point but, that but out. But I mean, I do so, think that, and like, I do own it. If you called me and you said, Jim, what do you think of Comcast? Hey, Jim, Jimbo, Jimmy, Jimmy, Joe, what do you think of Comcast? I said, well, you cut down that three billion dollar loss of Peacock. The stock goes to fifty five. Yeah. Next. <laughs> All right. Next. Before we get to Mike Worth, next I got Domino's because you haven't gotten to well, it. Well, Domino's is this is the last quarter before they start benefiting from what I think is going to be an exceptional deal with Uber. Remember that one third of all pizza is theirs. And so if you go to Uber and that they extend it to that, you're going to just see this thing explode higher. And, and you know, Russell Wiener's done a remarkable job, but he's not a self-promoter. He just doesn't work like that. And I think that this is the last quarter of the slower growth. And so you got to get ahead of it. And congratulations to him for seeing the legitimacy of having another app that be able to make it so that you get pizza. And if they get the, the portion of pizza that they think, then the stock's going to go. No, I get my pizza still. I call. I just I still do it the well, old-fashioned really way. That's and the ridiculous. guy actually shows up, and I give him 25 bucks. You, you live know, in a, a world. You're, you're, you're living dangerously because it could be their fault. If you do what I do, which is do it online, even with my Apple Watch, it's never wrong. It's never See, wrong. because the onus is on you. Pizza How about pizza, Mike Worth? Pizza Pete's doesn't usually get it wrong. How about that Mike Worth? Do you want to talk a little Chevron uh, you know, with the man himself? Yeah, Let's bring him Mike's in. That remarkable Shall job. we do that? Going to be in the job for uh, longer, perhaps, than had been originally anticipated. Uh, Chevron is out with the second quarter highlights, although not full earnings, but it did report overall earnings $6 billion, record oil production in the Permian Basin during the quarter. The preview of those results did coincide with the announced retirement of its longtime CFO, and it did waive the mandatory retirement age for its CEO. Joining us now in a CNBC exclusive is Mike Worth, Chevron's chairman and CEO. Mike, good to have you. Um, and we'll be good to have you joining us uh, for many years in the future as well. So what do those years hold? You know, what is it that when you look ahead and you say, hey, I'm glad I've gotten a few more years from this board of directors to continue to lead this company on its current trajectory. What does that trajectory look like? Well, David and Jim, it's good to be with you. Uh, we've got good business momentum and we're delivering strong results in what's been a turbulent world. You go back to the pandemic and oil prices below zero, the war and prices above $100. We've acquired three companies over the last three years, and we still have the constant discussion about climate and ESG. So uh, it's a challenging environment. We've made tremendous progress. We just announced a very strong second quarter, and I'm excited to continue uh, to lead our company to deliver higher returns for our shareholders and a lower carbon energy system for the world. Yeah, what, what, when it comes to challenges, and again the years ahead uh, that you that you now have as CEO, sort of how do you you know how do you see it, Mike? What is your biggest perhaps challenge, so to speak? Well, we have to meet this great uh, uh, challenge, which is a world that's growing that demands more energy and wants to see that energy with a lower uh, lower carbon uh, footprint coming with it. We can't change the system overnight. We've got what we've got, and it's growing. So we have to reduce the impact of the energy that the world uses today and at the same time build these new energy systems that can grow and help create a, a different energy system into the future. So we're decarbonizing our oil and gas business, reducing the carbon intensity of every barrel that we move through our system, and at the same time investing in carbon capture and storage, hydrogen, 
renewable fuels and other technologies that we want to scale and make them a bigger part of the system in the future is we need we need all solutions uh, to meet this challenge. You, Mike, there are a lot of people who feel that one uh, day we will run out of, in this country, of the ability to be able to replace our energy. Obviously, in the 2000 period, we were, it looked like a disaster with fossil fuels. And then because of shale, we became something big. Now, you recently said 100% reserve replacement is a number that you ought to expect to see that or greater over time. What that tells me is you think that we're not running out of oil anytime soon. 80% of the energy system today globally are uh, fossil fuels, oil, gas, and coal. Uh, 20 years ago, that number was about 84%. Uh, you can't move this number quickly. And, uh, and so we need to reinvest in uh, the energy that the world uses today. Uh, we, want, we should want responsible producers to do that and to do more of that. Uh, companies that are committed to safety, to protecting the environment, to reducing emissions, we are one of those companies, and we intend to replace our reserves uh, through production, through technology, through business acquisitions, and, uh, and we intend to grow our oil and gas business at the same time as we grow these new energy businesses. All right, Mike, you've you become very much the spokesperson for an industry in a way that I haven't seen, frankly, since, uh, since John D. Rock. And one of the things that uh, intrigues me is, is that we'll see articles about how Russia is now producing a certain level. And we were supposed to starve Russia and clearly failed in any effort to do that. When the president brings you in, what does he ask you about the notion of what's going to happen with Russian production and the war in Ukraine? Well, Jim, we have discussions with a number of people in the administration. I've not actually had that conversation with the president, but we talk about the realities of uh, the energy system. We talk about the importance of American energy and the uh, tremendous resource base in this country that can be developed by American companies in a way that's responsible, that helps support our economy with affordable and reliable energy, that allows us to export energy to our allies, especially allies that are uh, in particular need, as we've seen with Europe here recently. Uh, we can do this for many decades to come as we invest in these other energy products as well. And so the discussion we have with the administration is really about how do we do both? How do we find balance uh, in the conversation so that we don't focus so much on just one aspect of the equation, be it affordability, reliability, or the environment, uh, that we lose the plot on the others. And so we need to keep all three of those in sight and as, and as part of the dialogue as we talk about policy, as we talk about how companies invest. Wow. Okay, I'm glad that they do that. That's much more, more thoughtful than I thought. Now, you yourself have briefly, recently diversified away from the Permian, although there is some Permian in this acquisition that you did for PDC Energy. Are you yourself beginning to believe that the Permian has become too expensive and that maybe it's better place to look around the country for, uh, for better oil? First of all, no, the Permian has not become too expensive. Uh, it is the best place uh, for us to be investing our dollars. It's the largest single... Uh, destination for investment, and we just finished a tremendous quarter. We produced more oil out of the Permian Basin in the last quarter than we ever have in our history. It's up 10% over the same quarter last year, over 770,000 barrels a day. Uh, our well performance is on track. Uh, we're going to grow this to over a million barrels a day by the middle of this decade, and then hold it flat at least out through 2040. Uh, we're continuing to find capital efficiency and ways to get more done for every dollar that we spend. So the Permian is a tremendous asset for our company and for our country. Now, we have also uh, increased our exposure to the DJ Basin in Colorado. Uh, the PDC acquisition will add 10% to our worldwide reserve base 
for just 2% of our shares. It adds a billion dollars in free cash flow at $70 Brent and makes us uh, a very strong producer in Colorado as well as in Texas, which is, again, good for our company and good for the country. So there are places outside the Permian you can expect to see us invest, absolutely. But it doesn't mean that the Permian is not still a premier asset. Yeah, I mean, Mike, to that point, I'm looking at a note here. I guess a development hiatus uh, to address well completion issues saw year-over-year Permian growth fall to 4% in the first quarter. It's obviously up as much as 11% now in Q2. Do you expect that it's going to go even higher? I see here some analysts estimate growth rates of 15 to 20% in the second half of this year. Is that possible? Well, we've got a steady program. We've got uh, 14 rigs that will be running there by the end of this year. Uh, the, the production growth can come in surges and then plateaus as we move rigs around, as activity uh, cycles. Uh, but we, we laid out a plan this year uh, at our investor day uh, earlier this year, and we're right on that plan. Wells are performing, as we indicated, drilling and completions, the wells that are being brought on production, all are tracking very consistent with what we've indicated. We'll share more Friday on our conference call and, uh, and show more detail on that. Uh, but I'll just say that we are we're delivering exactly what we said we would deliver and what we intend to deliver. Yeah. Um, permitting reform is something uh, certainly people may have heard a bit about, but it's unclear to me exactly where things stand. And we're not just talking about new oil and gas. We're also talking about the ability to actually store carbon, for example. It's important to get the permits for carbon sequestration. Are you seeing anything that indicates progress on that front? We saw a little bit of progress in the recent spending bill that was uh, that was enacted just a few weeks ago uh, with modest uh, reforms, but meaningful reforms and a step in the right direction. Uh, there's a lot of talk in Washington about more uh, permitting reform. We're engaged with discussions on both sides of the aisle. I think the White House is supportive of this. What's important is that it's comprehensive reform, not narrowly targeted reform. We need to be able to build all kinds of infrastructure in this country, whether it's roads and ports, grids and solar and wind, or pipelines and uh, the uh, energy systems that keep today's uh, energy flowing to market. So we need to see um, expedient processes, appropriate review, appropriate limits on legal challenges so this country can get back to building things, which is what's made us what we are. Mike, we're beginning to see, we may be at the early end of what is uh, EV regret that there are a lot of uh, people who have bought EVs and they're realizing that they're having anxiety upon changing, about charging stations. Looks like it may be slowing in this country. I know that's antithetical to what most people think, but boy, when you deal with the companies one by one, you really get the sense that they're too expensive and that people are turning against them. Uh, is it possible that you have to revise down the challenge from EVs for your company in this country? Well, we watched that, Jim. The, the pattern is not dissimilar to when we first saw the Prius and, uh, and, and hybrids come in uh, where there's a surge of uh, uh, purchases. And then you have a kind of a period of time where most people who want that type of vehicle have one. And, uh, and you're trying to sell to a different part of the market. I think these kinds of patterns uh, can repeat. Uh, consumers buy vehicles to meet their needs and their needs are varied. And uh, so uh, we still expect EVs to continue to improve from a technology standpoint, from a cost standpoint. Our expectation is we'll see them continue to come into the fleet here in the U.S. and worldwide. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we also won't see growing demand for our products because uh, our products are used in much more than light duty transportation. And uh, our forecast is that demand for oil will continue to grow uh, through this decade and through the next. Yeah. 
Uh, well, we'll uh, we'll be talking to you about it in uh, in weeks, months, and years to come, Mike. So appreciate that. Appreciate your joining us. Thank you. Dean of the group, Michael. You're welcome. Dean of the group, thank you, Mike. Look, David, we have to understand one thing. They thought that they'd be outmoded much quicker than the outmoded. Well, I think there's been a a hope that you'd make the transition quickly. But But you need the government to be able to transition. By the way, as we deal with the hottest days ever on record in planet's history, uh, it isn't as though it's not foremost in many people's thinking, Jim. Very good. the transition is going to take time. All right, before we head to break, let's give you a quick look at the bond market. How are Treasuries faring it this morning? Hour, you ask? Well, there it is. 4831 on the two year. Also have SP Global Flash Manufacturing PMI. That just hit the tape. 49. That's better than estimates. They had been 46.7. Uh, services side PMI in at 52.4. Estimates there had been 54. We'll be right back. Time goes so fast. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about America's Express as being the way to be able to play uh, travel leisure. That turned out to not work. I think you can do the airlines, Delta, only so long. You can do Royal Caribbean only so long. But watch Airbnb. It's down four today, and yet Chesky has put up numbers that are just extraordinary. This may be the way to play it, and I'm just not backing away one bit of my fascination for how well the company's run. All right. See you later on Mad. See you here Absolutely. tomorrow. Have a great rest of the Thank day. Thank you. You too. We'll be right back. Stay with us. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.